0: Hi hey there!
1: Hi there! I salute. I
0: salute. It's a uh, it's an afternoon recording that we're doing today. We haven't uh, we haven't done this in a bit, but we're getting back into this into the zing of it, ladies and gentlemen. It is a very special episode that we have for you today. We have with us in the Zoom studio today, Clara Ziglarova, who no, is Clara. on the original creative team of Jersey Boys, as well as a million other different shows that we will get to. She designed the sets. Look at that gate right there. Oh, my God. Look at those. Oh, my God. Come on. It doesn't get any better than that. Well, as for you to say, that was
1: the best.
0: Exactly. And we
1: have so many. The news to share with you all too so we are recording this finally about a week before we actually are scheduled to publish um i'm not sure if you all know but this is our 42nd episode officially our 42nd that will be up in a timely manner um that and this is one that we we basically haven't recorded in a few months because we were banked for a long time we were booked banked. for about six months we recorded Almost every single week consecutively, and we just had so much saved. But now we're back and we're and reporting really quickly. So I'm excited about this. And we also have some merchandise that we are finally ready to sell. And Davida's gonna go grab it. We are selling seasonal, pun intended, candles that we have designed with Gian Di Costanzo. He is the founder of Stage Light Candle Company. He started it last year. As you all know, Gian was a swing in the Jersey Boys Norwegian Cruise Line. And he started this company last year and he wanted to partner with us. So yeah, an equal partnership, as we would say. (laughs) And it's called Fall Jacket. Now, here's the thing. We want you to share this with your friends, everyone who loves fall or loves any kind of scent, of course, for a candle. It's Perfect for the Jersey Boys super fan, casual fan, theater goer, or of course, any lover of a cozy feeling. Uh, the it's, it, it smells amazing. And it smells of caramel, apple, tobacco, and leather. So it's perfect. An it's aromatic
0: perfect. quartet, if you will. That-
1: and it definitely gives you that Nick Massey calmness that you tend to feel. And it's, a, of course, a story-based candle. And, of course, the fall jacket, if you are into the show. It's the, it, it honors the iconic but retired fall jackets from the original Broadway production. So you'll get the joke. If, and if not, it's okay, too. Just It'll enjoy. smell
0: good. It'll smell good. Yeah, It's just, going just, to be you know, good. It's
1: on sale. Hopefully. Well, by the time you watch this, they'll be on sale. Maybe they'll be sold out. Maybe we can make some more.
0: And by the way, this is a new episode of Silhouette's JB podcast, the deepest dive into Jersey Boys you have ever taken, ever will take, have taken, are currently taking, whichever form of the verb you like to use. The
1: sun and the moon, the stars and everything. Roll down into
0: one. All right. (laughs) So Gio, why don't you start us off with our intro of our amazing guest today?
1: I am on honored to do this. I can't believe it. Plus, well, I'm just going to say now she's a Tony Award nominee for her design. She must be an architect of sorts too. We'll find out. She's incredible. So Clara Zinglerova has been designing sets for almost all of her life and has designed some of the world's biggest and most beloved musicals and plays all around the world, including the musical that brings us all together every day, Jersey Boys, for which she does not- for for the Tony Award for Best Set Design. But before Jersey Boys, she was the associate set designer of the 1998 Roundabout Theater Company. We love Roundabout. Broadway Revival of 1776. Oh, I love 1776. Um, And and she was one of the assistant set designers along with Dan Couchard with leading set designer Tony Walton of the 1999, excuse me, Broadway Revival of Annie Get Your Gun. Of course, we know Richard Hester was the stage manager for that show as well. And she was the leading set designer for the Broadway production of The Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe. And she is no stranger to some of the original legendary members of the Jersey Boys creative team. And she worked with director Des McAnuff on The Farnsworth Invention, written by Aaron
2: Sorkin. Yay!
1: (laughs) love it. We're, at, we're singing to Kill a Mockingbird with Jeff Daniels from on Friday. Very exciting. And also, of course, the costume designer for Jersey Boys, Jess Goldstein, and sound designer, Steve Kennedy, on other on, shows as well.
0: Exactly, exactly. So Clara also designed the sets for the national tour of Flashdance the Musical, as well Ooh. as the seminal classic, Sister act the musical along with the late great lighting designer Howell Blinkley. Rest in peace. And as for Jersey Boys and sister act, she also designed the West End productions as well. Everywhere you see an official Dodgers production of Jersey Boys, you're going to see Clara Ziglarova's iconic set designs. Please welcome Tony nominee Clara Ziglarova.
1: Thank you so much for me. <laughs>
0: of course thank you for coming on this has been we've we've had the honor of talking to rick ellis ron melrose richard hester all of these amazing people that helped put the show on its feet and we're just so honored to have the chance to talk to you as well
1: it's true and get to know your eye and how all of this really came about because as as a lot of people know like we of course we focus on on the actor's perspective a lot too and, and different aspects of the show but as you were mentioning before we started recording this when you walk in as you can see behind David in in his background when you see the gates and the fence and the stairs there is no more intense like whoa I'm in New Jersey feeling and it's it's purely iconic and I would say the only thing that comes close to that feeling when you walk into a theater right now would be Moulin Rouge with that spectacle. But honestly, I, I, I still get chills every time I think of going into the August Wilson. And then Clara, So I was, I was actually, I was so fortunate to go to the closing show on Broadway. And that was the, like, that was it. And I sat like 11th row and I was like, how can they, like, don't take it down. Like, where are they going to put this So it's, it's just so wonderful. And um, we can't wait to learn about your eye for this because not everyone can have an eye for that kind of design so did you always have that visual like like talent or was it something you had to grow into
2: well first of all, thank you so much for your kind words about my work. I think <laughs> that's very <laughs> nice to hear. Um, I was always really interested in the arts and um, in design. Um, my uh, you know our dinner conversations around our family table were always around design. My both parents are architects who was my brother. Um, I, my father then uh, you know uh, he studied architecture but he's a um, as a designer. so I was um, when I was a little girl I heard that there are professions you can actually make living. Um, doing art and design, I thought that's definitely the right path for me. And uh, um, it's kind of a, a, a dream come true that I was actually able to, to make that happen. Um, it wasn't a straightforward path. I originally studied graphic design and book culture and typography. Oh, wow. I was born in Prague in um, Czechoslovakia at the time. Um, so I think it's the Czech Republic, the, the country has changed names so many times I think I have to check the most recent headlines for the current name (laughs) let's say Czech Republic Um, and uh, I you know it was deep communism and um, it was um, uh, I was at the University um, of Arts Architecture and Design studying book culture and topography when um, in 1989 the wall came down and um, Mm. I thought okay um, this is a great opportunity to be able and Uh, go abroad um, and um, you know see what things are like outside of uh, Czechoslovakia and um, so I had opportunity to come to the United States for a year at the beginning and um, that's where sort of I I actually by kind of a coincidence I went first to study um, in drama school in theater department and um, Um, discovered sort of the beautiful profession of of, uh, designing for theatre. And I was kind of surprised, such a niche profession, how many people do it, (laughs) actually. And um, that was kind of my journey to kind of discover theatre. And and of course, also the difference between classic design and theatre design, which uh, at the beginning I thought, oh, it's probably basically the same thing. It's about the right... Um, you know, composition and the color and materials, but it's really, theater is really about storytelling and everything springs out of storytelling. And uh, that's um, what I fell in love with is the storytelling and the storytelling you can tell um, just visually, purely visually.
0: And you said you love working with contemporary um, playwrights and composers and really building stuff from the ground up. You um, actually... Um, won on a Carbonell Award, um, which is basically for all of our listeners and viewers, Florida's uh, or South Florida's Tony, Tony Awards. Um, and in the 1999-2000 season, you designed the set for a play called God's Man in Texas for the Florida stage, which has since closed um, in 2011. they I know they closed down but um, I know you told us that was a really special experience for you. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Um, Yes, of course. I uh, met Alou Terrell, um, the artistic director of the Florida Stage Company um, at the time uh, through uh, my beloved friend, Tony Walton. Tony Walton is a living legend, Broadway designer, and one of my uh, two big mentors uh, in my career and and a really dear, dear friend. As I mentioned, I I do uh, really treasure... Uh, working on uh, with contemporary authors on on new work, and um, so that theater obviously specialized in um, working with contemporary American writers. And um, I really enjoyed um, designing God's Men, God's Men, in Texas, um, for uh, Steve Rothman and and other um, you know other productions at the at the theater.
1: Did you go to Yale?
2: Yes, yes, I did. I had different ideas. I really wanted to go to Las Vegas instead. Um, But um, somehow at the end, um, I um, decided to, or I was fortunate enough, to be honest, to to be accepted to the Yale Drama School program. Well, of course. Going to Vegas a little yeah, bit later. Look at that!
0: <laughs> there we go.
2: I spoke to um, uh, to Josef Swoboda, who is the legendary sort of figure of the world set design, and uh, and he said, uh, you know, he was very complimentary of Ming Choli, who was at the time uh, the head of the um, design department at the Yale Drama School, and he thought, you know, he's a fantastic professor and a great leader. And um if you have a chance to study with him, please do go ahead and, and do that. And and so I did. It was actually my third graduate school, so I really didn't oh, need wow. to do it, but I was really curious and um and I thought, well, if I don't like it, I can just leave. I don't really need the degree. And and the opposite it was true. I had a fantastic experience and really enjoyed meeting all the faculty and but also um some great classmates who are now the designers of the other Broadway shows and so it was a great community community and and I really loved my my three years in New Haven at the end
0: who were some of your your colleagues and your classmates over oh over there? well
2: <laughs> yes yeah, so Scott Pask was <gasps> below me walt spangler oh my like, god below me um, alec hammett you know now the a, a, a production design film production designer was in my year um, um, tom mccarthy the now famous director was in, in i think a year so it's it's peppered with people who sort of really stick with a kind of a tough profession and take it to um some uh, you know uh, uh, glamorous heights Yes, well, the wow. stars alignment
1: in New Haven.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. Destiny <laughs> so, awaited you.
0: Destiny <laughs> awaited you.
1: Well, and you were saying before about the niche. So on Silhouette's TV podcast, we are all about the niche, like niche niching everything down. Um, and since you're from Czechoslovakia, is, is there a, a like a big European influence, do you think, on American design? Or do you th- like, do you find a way to kind of bring both of those together, especially since Des is a Shakespearean scholar? Like, did you ever bring any any of that knowledge, maybe from Yale, into your Jersey Boys experience?
2: Yeah, yeah, that, that is so interesting. I think there's a kind of a big, um, you know, to, to be quite honest, when I started studying theater design at, at Yale, I you know, it was, for me, it was almost Shakespeare and Bertolt Brecht and, and mm. kind of American musical seemed like, well, you know, as a European, I wasn't so sure about that. <laughs> and uh, and then I completely made 180 on that. And that was okay. really, I think, after meeting uh, Des Mekanov who, you know, is such an incredibly educated and smart person and, and a huge visionary. And, and, you know, there are sort of laws even design laws or or principles i should say that go into um an american musical as a genre which is as specific as um, um any other and um and so I really have a huge appreciation now of what it takes to do a musical well. Um, I would not know how to do it myself, but I love working under the guidance of, of uh, the giants like uh, Jerry Zaks or or um, obviously Des McAniff. Um And um, yeah.
0: And those rules that you were talking about, the, those rules had to do with storytelling and how to... Um, and how to design everything and direct, and with the music and everything based off of the story—is that what you're saying?
2: There are a certain there. I think there are certain um, sort of principles you can adhere to as a designer for um, for for Broadway, uh, for American musical, um, which is sort of a big reveal, or um, sort of the oh. ending um, has to have a punch, um, and, and so forth.
0: Well, so I I always think of. Um, once he said punch I mean the the walk like the walk like a man reprise when Tommy's coming down the staircase at backstage at, at Sullivan where they they take the you know walk like a man and then there's that huge um there's that the, the the camera click and he's like this you know that's uh that's honestly as far as act one finales go yeah you have your you have your one day mores you have your um, your uh, non-stops, whatever you want, but I'm, t- Walk Like a Man reprise, one of the best act one finales I've ever seen. And it's so simple. So um, let's talk a little bit about the early days of Jersey Boys and pre La Jolla, going into La Jolla and how 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 it all kind of came together because um, Ron, Ron Norros told us that Dez sent, um, Des sent out his marching orders to his designers for Jersey Boys, even before the script was completed. So can you tell us a little bit about how what led up to you doing Jersey Boys?
2: Um, yes, sure. With pleasure. So how did I end up sitting across the table from Des McEnough at the Dodgers office? which must have been probably 2003. um, Was that in New
0: York City or LA? New York City. Okay.
2: Um, So it's a little bit like the domino effect, you know, when one thing leads to another. So let me see. Starting at the beginning, I... I think I mentioned before that I, um, my one of the biggest mentors in my career was Tony Walton, the legendary Broadway designer. And I worked for him as a studio. As you know, I was associate uh, designer on 1776, and I um, was um, an assistant designer on uh, Any Get Your Gun. And um, I was working in this office when I received a um, sort of a call or email saying that the legendary Hell Prince is sort of conducting a search for a designer for a new musical called The Parade. So I thought, you know, fantastic. That would be just a dream come true. And so I went with, you know, hundreds of other people of uh, equally hopeful uh, for the job for an interview. Um, Hell Prince interview, I don't know, many, many people. And then he came up with an idea to conduct something like, it's not a very popular thing in uh, design circles. It's like a bake-off, but for set design. So I guess <laughs> set, set design off. Um, and uh, he asked, I believe, three or four of us to come up with a model for general idea for musical The Parade. And I worked relentlessly. I put my heart into it. Really was absolutely you know dying to do the job tony walton saw me doing it because i worked for him but of course he you know saw every night you know throughout nights i was working on this uh, um on this model and he very sweetly um offered to exchange the jobs and he would actually carry carry my model to meet with hell prince which was wow. you know, just because of course they were long-time um partners and 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 friends and collaborators and so it was just a wonderful experience I did not get the job, <laughs> I um, helped with it, well, probably rightfully so, with a different designer. But um, during the process, uh, the associate design or associate uh, director, uh, Brad Rouse, um, really enjoyed meeting me and enjoying uh, enjoyed the model that I created for a Parade. And even though I didn't get um, that job, he offered me to design a show that he has um, uh he he was about to uh, direct um it was a, a new play called tatiana on the fence at uh the shepherdstown um, um contemporary american theater festival as you know again new play my passion i said absolutely so things went very well until um, we realized that the sh- set needs to be in rotation with another set um um for a play called a coyote on a fence uh, directed by lou jacob so Recontacted contacted Jacob and he said well yeah but no because I don't want Clara I mean I don't know her I have my own designer and I want my own designer and um, it took a lot of you know I met with Lou Jacob and we said okay well oh I don't know about that but sure I don't know another way around it of course like anything sometimes the best relationships start with you don't want to ever uh, worked together ever since uh, lou and i would be doing every show together um they were mostly off Broadway, off of broadway um uh, uh, place and uh, productions and um when he called me for i don't know the nth one i said lou fine you know i have a day job i have working very hard you know we we basically don't get paid i mean you get a few hundred dollars and you probably spend it on buying props and, and I said, okay, fine. I will do, I will design this play for you. But once, because I know he was, you know, really a, a wonderful director. I said, when you get a really big production, don't call Ming Choli. Don't call Robin Wagner. Don't call Tony <laughs> Golden. If you get a big show that pays anything, you have to call me. And he said, okay. All on
0: a handshake from 40 years ago.
2: Exactly. And you <laughs> oh,
0: Very good. I was
2: very lucky. So the next, Big show that Lou Lou Jacob directed was um, Saturday Night Fever at the Beatrice uh, um, Theater in Utrecht, Holland. And that was a show that was produced by Stage Entertainment, um, which was owned by the um, famous Jo Pranden Ende. And I had a blast designing the show. Um, Really, you know, incredible budget, incredible theater. Just, I was really able to do so much. Uh, you know i really could have dreamt anything up and it was possible uh it was uh you know they they made it happen and so i felt like that was really kind of a showcase for my work and um luckily for me uh Stage entertainment was uh partnering with the dodgers at the time and ah. i was in new york and the dodgers were in new york and so i believe when they started to talk about a new musical jersey boys um um, my name probably came down because I was just done successfully a show for stage entertainment in, in Holland. And um, I was called to meet with Des at the offices. And there I was. I sat down and that's how the long story kind of wraps back to me sitting across the desk. Um, you know, across from Des uh, McAniff, uh, you know, at the doctor's offices
0: wow so
2: what did he say uh, or what were his
1: initial ideas or well ideas? The, interestingly he thought well
2: um, why would you be the right person to design Jersey Boys being somebody from Czechoslovakia <laughs> okay so, and then I thought okay if I don't have a really good answer I'm not gonna get this job <laughs> And uh, I really, really wanted to work with him. Right, Um, because I'm really good at it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know, what I, what I, what I said, uh, I I think that um, in some way, if you, and I really believe that as a, as a designer for, for basically any designer, but particularly for theater, you need to have a perspective and um, you need to have, sort of understand why certain place is special and how it makes it special kind of requires the um the the perspective of knowing other places mm-hmm. right so I said well you know I have a unique perspective yes because when I come <laughs> in I know exactly how it's different I know what it is about it that is so different and specific Word, uh, right? the essence of it because I have comparison with so many other cultures and so many different places and I said something along those lines which I'm not quite sure if it was that convincing but um, it did get me a second meeting um, nice. which uh, then took place I believe at um, Des's apartment um, uh, and um, at the second meeting I met uh, uh, Marshall Brickman and Rick Ellis and they're very kind and I'm so grateful that they entrusted me with their incredible material and I believe Sergio Trujillo yes. was there as well nice. wow one memory I have that we left uh the meeting the two of us and we were waiting for a subway train and we are both you know desperate so he's so inspiring and you know you can't help but you know have ideas and and um, we were talking about the show, and there was a subway platform which was kind of abandoned. and Sergio said, "You know, I think something like this." And of course, with this a unique move. Yeah. show me some of the steps and uh, that he was have you know immediate reaction to his meeting with Des. And I will just never forget that kind of intimate moment with him oh my
0: with God.
2: and seeing some of the first ideas for choreography for Jersey Boys at that time. How
0: That's- special that. is that? How much space do you need? when you're working, like how big is your workspace?
2: <laughs> yes. Um, well, it depends what kind of uh, stage in the design process you are. At the beginning, you, it's really, you don't need almost any space. At the beginning, you just need to kind of understand the the story or what it really is about. I think that's the, um, I think at the beginning, you need to understand what it is that you're doing and why you're doing it. And that's such an important question to ask, you know, why, why uh, to do another musical there have been so many musicals why why um why why now Mm -hmm. what is it what what is great about the story about to 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 spend a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of effort to convey what is special about that story why is it important to to, to um, tell the story to other people. And, and um, so I think that's, at the beginning, it's really more conversations with the director and understanding um, whose story it is and, and, and having those uh, answers for, for, for these questions. So that and, being
0: said, how, what, I mean, you guys didn't have a script. Maybe, I, I think Rick and Marshall, they wrote like a, 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 a however many page treatment of like the first act so and Des sent off for props for sets for lights even before the script was completed so how did you reconcile that with your process
2: yeah no it was um interesting so yeah de- de- uh, they I did receive a treatment and I received sort of uh, many pages I was actually I think I still have it somewhere of uh, different um, character, all, all the, wow. you know, the, the four seasons and sort of their biography. And it was not a script, but it was a general idea. And to be honest, that what sort of was all I needed because I I needed to do two things. I needed to convey the the feel, the environment, providing the right environment for where all of the this whole story can take place. And and uh, and that 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 was the the, the most important thing to, to 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 have a space that feels right and then secondly i needed a space that allows things to happen and so that this is the tricky bit because i didn't know what is going to exactly happen on stage so if you <laughs> notice you can do, you can do almost any show on the, i'm sometimes joking <laughs> you can do almost anything on that set because it has to allow for um uh, 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 for obviously scenes that were not uh, written at the time to happen. Um, what
1: about the story was appealing to you?
2: You know, yes, no, I, I obviously it's uh, maybe what was appealing to me was, uh, what's appealing to everybody else. You know, the incredible, you know, I, I'm big believer in, in not just luck, but creating your own luck, being in the right place at the right time and um, kind of striving forward and it was a little bit of story of my own life. So maybe that's why Jersey Boys is so successful because everybody can kind of project, even if you're not the music business, you can project the kind of tenacity and the willingness to make something happen and um, into, into your own lives. So that, 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 was, that was sort of what drew me personally to, to the script. And of course, the music that, even though I grew up behind the Iron Curtain, that's the one thing that actually did penetrate the Iron Curtain was, was music. And so I was familiar with the songs and, and, um, and design by, for me, the, the, I think the biggest task that I put on myself was to be able to tell the story very in a very fluid way.
0: I think there's two avenues to go down here for a second because the set Look, that, you, that you see it's like it's it's like in, an it's, it's, in, it's in, it looks impenetrable but this music and these guys and this story inhabited it and in, and penetrated it and that's just so that's just something that we we just made that connection right now and that's so significant and also what's so fascinating is when you go to any of the, uh, when, when, when Dodgers put up the production in Holland or they put up the production in any other place where they didn't speak English, the script was translated, but the songs were never, Bob Gaudio and Frankie Valli said never translate the songs because everyone knows our songs. So everyone, so every. <laughs>
2: yes, true. And in English. Yes. If,
1: if you don't mind, I would love to just kind of go piece by piece of the set you created behind the bead. So, well, the first thing that catches my eye is, of course, the fact that um, for me, just for my very, um, for my photography experience, so-so, um, you have that depth of field, of course. So you have the, the shorter and smaller um, frame behind, and then the larger at the front it was the way I took it is that it's to symbolize like us actually like zooming into the lives of the four seasons um was that the intention
2: um yes I I like that idea I (laughs) I I think for for me as a designer I um it's all about the scale you have you 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 have you and and where when you have an You have to be able to design, or I feel like my my job as a designer is to um, be able to for the audience to focus on a single actor in the middle of the stage singing a solo, or be able to frame a cast of 20 on that stage. So it's all about being able to frame and being able to concentrate or give weight to 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 anybody from one actor to dozens of actors on stage. Of course, in a movie, when you you shoot a film, the camera lens closes in for a a close-up. In theater, you can't do that. You have an audience and you have the stage. The stage is always the same size. The actors are always the same size. So how do you, as a designer, create an environment where you're able to focus on it on on a single person um, solo or monologue in the middle of the stage without them being dwarfed by what's around them. So the ability, as you say, to kind of focus, kind of zoom in and out is there just because you want to create the optimal (laughs) sort of framework for the actor or actors to be sort of v- viewed in so that that's that's a, 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 for me i always feel that's a really big design challenge how to provide uh, um you know how to focus even on a single person on stage and the second sort of m- one of my biggest job and that's something that occurred to me when i was at the very very final um dress rehearsal or sorry not dress rehearsal just the uh, rehearsal in the rehearsal hall Uh, in La Jolla so we were in La Jolla playhouse uh, rehearsal stage where you know the props are all stand-ins the furniture they're all stand-ins and the stage management just moves things around and it was an absolute knockout of a final rehearsal and it flew so it was so seamless and I thought my only job my only job is for the scenery, never to get in the way of anything. It has to really flow. It has to instantly change from one scene to another. If you ever wait for anything, it's going to kill the show. So, thankfully, Des is a master <laughs> of sea changes. And oh my it's
0: god! Incredible Amazing.
2: The, yes. the expertise that he has. Uh, to be able to change from one scene to another. And not not obviously not just bringing furniture from different places, but the way he uses the set to create a sense of distance and depth and layers and and all that to basically have this whole story unravel in front of you on a actually really quite a small stage. Um, so that's really a ma- masterful uh, achievement on his, on his part. And I really try just to not be in the way and, and, and allow for the environment to, sure. to really seamlessly move from one one um, scene to another
0: so Adam Koch who designed the set for the Arkansas repertory theater production of Sister Act said that that was exactly his intention as well now was did you did you focus that intention into Sister Act as well was that kind of your um was okay so this worked for Jersey Boys and this is going to work so th- was that kind of your intention for Sister Act as well
2: yes absolutely it has to be I think when I uh, design a, a, a musical with multiple scenes which by the way I always end up <laughs> doing it's almost the way the set moves and goes from one to it. it's that's where you start and then the sort of spectacular scenic pieces or you know can kind of work around uh, the basic principle of how the set changes from one, um, one, one uh, scene to another. So Act was very different because it's, I think was a show that really called for a really huge spect- spectacle um, in terms of the convent and the, the church and, and all that. It's a very, very different feel um, uh, to Jersey Boys, but um, in some way very actually um, uh, it is uh, sometimes under, underappreciated by or, or it could be not easily not noticed how much actually happens in Jersey Boys because it's actually the set is quite simple or looks simple right. but it's a really really delicate puzzle yes. so when we were talking about moving the set on a tour moving it to um, uh, the different theaters all over the um, not only the country, but all over the world. Um, sometimes we want to, obviously, every theater has different parameters, and we want to squeeze something by six inches and say, oh, it's not possible because then this chair doesn't go through, or this chair goes through, but the actor can't get by. And so it's a really, really complex puzzle um, that uh, um, we have to kind of reconfigure any time.
0: Each time, right. Concert.
2: Well, and, last piece
0: of the puzzle right. <laughs> <laughs> there we go so it's what, what I think one of one of the coolest changes um what, one of the coolest modifications for me was on the UK tour in 2014 when they had a double spiral staircase one on the right and one on the left so do, do you remember what the reasoning was behind that specifically yes
2: yes it was a lack of space basically okay. because we have there's a dependency there are a lot of dependencies so if you we have the a, a diagonal uh, staircase coming in if it encrouches too much on the central space then you can't get pieces or even actors going up stage down stage so we have to stay within certain um, parameter within certain width um, so it, it's all dictated by um yeah by by the physical disposition of the theater and of course when you are on a tour you have to look at the um the worst case scenario with the wor- the wor- the most constricted um, space you're going to and design for that space and um and uh, of course you have a very limited hours of load in and it, it, it's very very technical, which is something I right. do enjoy. But uh, uh, but it's all you know. It's it's a it's a, as it's, a, it's a big it's a big puzzle, and uh, and um, so you have all these different incarnations of of the show, but the story kind of carries through, hopefully, in the same way. Of course. And on a tour,
1: um, or on, or wherever you're, uh, they're moving the show to, like even one one theater that's a little bit like maybe a little bit crooked or, or tilted. Is a better word, or, or a little bit smaller, that affects the entire set for the entire tour.
0: Exactly. Right? So, the domino effect, like you said. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yes. That's, well, yeah, so, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. right. We are, um, you know, a lot of regional theaters in the United States are in incredible spaces, very generous, with very wide wing spaces and backstage. Uh, Broadway theaters are can be very tricky because there's very often, you know, obviously the, there's, sometimes there's almost, you know, a f- few feet stage left and few feet stage right, and you have an angled back wall. And it's, I, I really appreciate people, um, other designers doing this incredible, um, uh, a- incredible scene changes, uh, especially when I'm aware how little space there is to really work with it. It all has to be kind of like a Rubik group happening in front of you seamlessly. And it's really, you know, sometimes there's as much happening off as there's on stage, um, with uh, uh, just really in so many ingenious people working um, uh, backstage and, and, uh, and also the technical design that goes into Broadway shows is so ingenious and so many incredible people, so you know very smart people making um, things happen. So it's not necessarily just about um, dreaming up a wonderful set and another wonderful set, but you know how does one set morph into the other? That's sometimes the bigger uh, problem or bigger challenge
1: i can't help but think that maybe that's why it's called a house you know like a broadway house or an opera house it's because every kind of building has these little nooks and crannies that you have to fit into and they're all different so that kind of gave me like a broader <laughs> perspective yeah i just so i just
0: I, I i i have you ever heard of the tv show curb your enthusiasm Larry David so they they buy a new house right him and Cheryl buy a new house and there's like a sound like they're in bed there's a sound and she's like oh yeah it's a house sound like what what's a what's a house sound so all these walls are
1: cracking beneath you (laughs) oh my god
0: I want to know how you feel about the way the set design of the American musical is going these days of you know with you know, majorly relying on projections. Now, of course, Michael Clark, who designed the projections for Jersey Boys. I mean, you guys had those big. I'm I'm talking about in the on Broadway, those big three screens. And not, I'm totally not knocking the use of projections and sets these days, because I mean, for for me, the set of Dear Evan Hansen, what um, David Korins did with that set and putting. All, all the, all, all the letters on the floor, and the way he, the, what he did with that was just genius. But there are a lot of people who are like, oh, I, I haven't been to a musical on Broadway with a real set in years. And but, and when you go to a play, the plays are the ones that have the those beautiful sets, the houses, the living rooms.
2: Um, yes, I'm always, anytime I, I go um, uh, see things, I, I'm always impressed uh, with uh, how much people can achieve and uh, uh, inspired um, uh, by, you know, this uh, incredible design that is happening in the US and also um, on, on, the, uh, in, on Broadway and on the West End as well. I think to the LEDs, it's, um, um, uh, LEDs uh, is, is a tool. Um, like every other tool, and you can use it well and um, or, or not well. So, um, of course, the, there's a, a lot to do with, um, um, you know, pr- producing or putting on a Broadway show is extremely expensive. So sometimes it's, uh, you know, painting a beautiful backstage drop um, is um, uh, compared to having... Purchasing a big LED screen. And if you have an LED screen, you can have, you know, 100 drops for the same right. price. And if you have one, then so it's so it sometimes just gets down to economics. But I think that if um, um, technology and I, I, I love technology, I mean, big part of what I do is, um, you know, geometry and technical um theater is um i'm fascinated by what people are able to do and i'm really appreciative of talent not technology i really embrace technology and um my my personal kind of viewpoint is that if it's if it's used as a tool, um, then, uh, it's the, it can be the best, you know, best thing and give you exactly what, 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 what you need. So you were, you were talking about the, you know, the comic strip that we, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, we were looking with, with Des into, um, research. And of course, pop art, um, was a big part of the, era we were uh, working with and so we thought you know um we would like to incorporate it um in some some way so Des had the brilliant sort of idea to kind of use the comic strip and having these screens fly in um to kind of juxtapose also the uh kind of the metal uh, rusty uh kind of world with this pop art colors and just gives you this kind of um uh, extra extra layer of course it tells you where you are it also introduces you know uh, the we were very conscious about the color palette that changes from spring to um summer to fall to winter uh to all the end um and uh so so that i i at the beginning we actually there were projections um in la Jolla, and it was extremely tricky to figure out uh the angles and you know how um that kind of whole thing um is put together just technically so then the technology led screens has actually not been around that long and it improves by minute and so we were able to work with the technology and i think that kind of you know, actually e- simplified our life by having the same effect. But the idea was there. It did the same thing. We it, it did what we needed it to do. It was just a different technology or newer technology to achieve basically the same thing.
0: When you were at La Jolla, was it projected onto a cyclorama?
2: It was the same. Actually, it was this exactly. It was a front projector projection okay. screen um so um yeah it was it was just a it was just a great pro, uh, front projection screen
0: gotcha and, yeah. oh, go ahead go ahead go ahead no, you go, you go. No. so um it, well because i i, I kind of want to talk about the the catwalk now the, the bridge um well first of all what do you call it do you call it a catwalk or a bridge <laughs>
2: I, 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 call, I call
0: it a bridge. <laughs> okay. Because I, I, I think for years, I called it a catwalk because like that, that, that was the phrase that I knew, you know, like I, 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 I mean, obviously I knew the phrase bridge. I knew the word bridge, but I never would have thought to call that a bridge because it just didn't seem, but as we, as we started doing this podcast, the word bridge started coming up more and more and it sort of it started taking on a whole new meaning for us because there are specific moments where, I mean, people are walking, people are walking into death going across the bridge, you know, like it's the bridge between life and death. It's the bridge between good and bad. It's the bridge between uh, jail and freedom. It's the
2: bridge between New Jersey and Manhattan. Oh
0: my God.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh
1: my God. (laughs) <laughs> that one we did not think of
2: oh my god <laughs> yeah, i love i love that you you thought of all the incredible meetings, and and they're all true and then there's the last the most prosaic one um but uh yeah no one of the first moments that does uh, described to me that he envisioned was um <clears throat> you know during the handshake uh the famous handshake scene um when bob gaudio and frankie valley sit down and um and he said, you know, if we do this deal, can I have a, a, a saxophone? He said, you can have the whole horn section. And of course, then we have, in my I can't take my eyes off of you, um, the horn section. So Dad said, you know, I would love for them to just walk up on the bridge, and and that was a, a really a, a kind of one of the visuals that I was kind of after them to to provide for uh, for for the for, for you know for a scene like that to happen. Right. Um, one of my favorite scenes is the Jib De Carlo sit down. You know, when they're moving, you have a really sense of uh, the movement. Uh, it's one of the
0: best moments when they're well, walking I, across I, the for bridge. Me right, as well,
2: it's one of my favorite scenes. Uh, um, when they're under, the, you know, you really feel like they scaled a the long distance. They're really only walking stuff like they just left. But yeah, you have a feeling they're really especially um what my visually my favorite moment is when you know we have that pop art of the man with the large wide brimmed hat and or the steering wheel and and we see uh the cast walking in front of the led they go into silhouette and then go down the bridge and they kind of land at Jim DeCaro's basement so um so I thought that you know for moments like this the Set the kind of that those kind of moments dictate sort of what, um, what the set needs to look like to allow for things like this to happen.
1: So with the saxophone players like coming out like that, because that's that's bridging like it's closing the gap between the dream and the reality. I was
0: just gonna say that it's the bridge between dream and reality because. Frankie. You guys
2: are phenomenal. You are oh, phenomenal. You have a PhD in Jersey Boys. You really do. We're, we're trying. <laughs> wait,
0: you.
1: okay. Can well, we try? We're, we're students of this show. That's why we're asking all these, these questions. I,
0: it's, it's so it's fa- it's it's fascinating because Frankie comes on during silhouettes. He, he you know, he's snapping, he's happy, he's giddy, and then you see him on the bottom during can't take and his dreams are unfolding right in front of him as those horn players are walking out onto the bridge for the horn section. And that's just, talk about a full circle moment.
2: Yes. Talk about a yes. full circle I think moment. that's where Des is such a, you know, he really is a visionary in terms of staging and it's so tight and it's so smart. And it's just such a joy to work with him because he has this vision. He knows exact, you know, the way he knows where, you know, how to tell you know I remember him saying you know this is a moment it's a big moment end of a number but I don't want the audience to clap I want them to stay in the moment like what do you you know and he knows I would not know how to make the audience not clap, but he finds a way how to do that and I think it's just ingenious to to have the knowledge or to have the intuition and to stage um, things so incredibly uh, seamlessly Um, and uh, you know I obviously I remember one of the well not not too many people have seen the show more than you have, but <laughs> you know, people of the creative team of course have. And yeah. and anytime I see it, I almost well, for a long time I would find moments that I didn't even notice before. And I thought, oh, that was so, exactly. oh. it was so clever. Oh,
1: I love it. Oh, it's exactly.
0: it's the show that keeps <laughs> on showing. Yeah, it's the show that keeps on so what what are what are some of the what are some of the parts of the set that you're most proud of? And what are some fun facts about the set that you can you can tell us
2: so i'll tell you a fun fact so we've done the well i don't know if it's fun it is actually kind of, it's kind of fun for me um i have maybe a few okay I'll, I'll start i'll i'll I have three fun facts okay um yeah. moving from moving from la jolla to uh broadway um you know the the transition the teams are communicating and i think that makes us like a junior or maybe a junior or maybe even a intern uh in the stage management and they've heard there was a turtle in the show you know turtle be called the drum yes. rock that can rotate and move and and i believe that somebody went out and got an aquarium so <laughs> <laughs> then he realized the turtle will never not only not fit into aquarium but doesn't actually require <laughs> it. so that was um that that was that was pretty funny the other fun fact um when um the crew first time or not the first time we were loading in the show the very 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 first item that arrived on broadway yeah. um, <clears throat> was um the pizza from the Italian that? that was the only thing. So Mike Kelly, our, uh, our you know, carpenter, um, house carpenter extraordinaire, it was the first thing he, I think, opened a crate and saw this kind of naive, you know, like kind of a funny, kind of like, not, not a, on its own taking out the context, not the most impressive scenery piece. And he thought, oh gosh, I wonder how long this show is going to stay here. <laughs> So I still tease him about that. Um, And the the third pack was the, you know, when we opened in La Jolla. And I believe it was not even a year later that we were on Broadway because the show just took off by storm. And uh, in the meantime, I um, realized that um, I'm going to have a baby. And so they sent me the dates and... um, I was like, great, great. I'm so excited. I, you know, I'm dying to do another Broadway show. I'm so happy. And I look at the dates. I was like, mm, oi, oi, oi. And so I, I went to the Dodge. I said, you know, it's great, great. Um, no problem. The only thing, I am have a baby just, like, exactly been you we know, like, opening the show. Mm-hmm. And I'm uh, like, ooh, that's a bit of a process, no problem, no problem. I can, I got this, right? I got this.
0: No you got this. I
2: got this. So um, I, as a result, I, they said, you know, we really we need somebody like fantastic to kind of be on your team. And they introduced me to Nancy Toon, who has since been my associate um, uh, on, on Jersey Boys. And, and she's absolutely, you know, fabulous and much smarter than I am. And so I was in really good hands with her. And, um, but I promised the Dodgers that I'm going to like, you know, keep on. And so I did. I was, a, we had a very first preview and I didn't feel well during the intermission, but I was like, I'm staying until the end of the show. First preview ended, and of course, I had to go to the after party because I can never miss a party. And straight from there, I went to the hospital, and my son was born you know,
0: I don't know, hey. I was born like 22
2: hours later. But uh, so I'll never forget. I, I always know how long we've been on Broadway because <laughs> <laughs> it's 16 um, years, and um, today is Wednesday, so and six days was first preview wow. of Jersey
0: Boys yeah it's true so it's true I, I was
2: very proud that I uh, kept my word and I was there until the very very first preview so beautiful. that was the third contact. well happy birthday to you and your you. son.
0: yes Be- beautiful what a beautiful story
1: yeah. well, I, well it's so funny because I know with Ron um it was his son's senior year
0: yeah when, when uh, they were at La Jolla
1: yeah, so that it's a big—it was a big year for everyone, personally and professionally.
2: Yeah, it's incredible. You no, know, when you did something for so long, you can really kind of your personal story gets so in so tight with the, your work story because when you work on a show, you are like a family. You're against another Jersey Boys quote, you know. You really. <laughs> get to know you spend so much time together and so much time out of town, a part of your own family. So you become this Jersey Boys family. And I think that you just have all these, um, you know, you you tie your own life with your professional life and you can, well, it's definitely good for the um, uh, data points. I haven't built myself, my own hands, a single part of the set. So I, you know, work with the shops very, and I'm so dependent on how uh, the craftsmanship of the people in the shop, the see, the the people who build the set, the people who paint the set, the people who do the props, the people who, you know, do the welding, the, you know, so so I am, so that's also a, for me and for continuity of my work to to work with people who I know, oh, you know, this shop is incredible welder or this this shop has wonderful uh, painters. So uh, Jersey Boys has been uh, built by Showmotion,
0: Show motion.
2: Who uh, runs Show Motion and and, um, and that kind of um, uh, collaboration and, and trust. Um, we are talking a little bit about, you know, building different versions of Jersey Boys. So for me to kind of walk in the shop and work with the craftsmen, with the artists, who have, um, who, who, who know exactly, you know, how to make um, new metal look rusty and old, and who realize how certain uh, paints react to light, um, either absorb the light or reflect the light, how uh, shiny or less, not shiny the dick needs to be. So that kind of um, shorthand, sometimes it's also, um, you know, invaluable. And I'm always so in awe of the, um, of, uh, of, the work of these artists who are able to uh, sort of uh, uh, build a set on, on not only, you know, help design how we talk about the turtle something that comes up and goes forward and moves and curves, it technically it's incredibly complex and it can't fail. Yes, you 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 see it day. You know, people pay a lot of money to go see a Broadway show. You don't want uh, to show to come to a to a grinding halt. You you have to uh, you know, and, and and so the knowledge of these people and and um, uh, is um, is is really awe inspiring, and um, and same goes. So I I know when uh, one of my first um, walkthroughs um, of the set when it was on the floor in show motion. Um, up in Milford in Connecticut, um, I was walking with Bill with bill mentioned the the the, the who ran, you know who, the owner and uh, we were looking at the trusses and I thought, oh yeah no, it's great but I said, you know it looks a little bit too thin like it's so thin and he said, you're right, I think it should be thicker and we'll make it thicker and I said, what because you know now this is Broadway time you add something or change something, it's double is- the money and. It mm-hmm. And you know, he just said, "No, I totally agree. We'll just don't worry about it. It's that's what we, we're going to change that, and we did. And you know, it looks like it has the the, the weight that it should have. And of course, as you know, the trusses are a big part of show So, so I am, um, you know, I'm always um, uh, give. Uh, uh, lot not if if not all the credit then lots of credit or most credit to to people who actually um end up building um and and painting and and uh decorating and and um um uh the sets or my my you know my design
0: did you ever get down get down with them in the studio in, in the in the in the uh the shops or when they were loading it to like help build or help paint or help anything
2: I do tend to do that. That's why I have only very few clothes that don't have some paint splashes. <laughs> and it's like you know. Now, now I can afford a few more pairs of pants, but uh, just, <laughs> <laughs> shoes, forget it. I always get splatter, course, so I do have a tendency to to um, to of course to to uh, get involved sometimes to know the great. Um, uh, success <laughs> um, uh, but it's a, it's a really pleasure to work with um, uh, sort of experience and, and, and you know scenic artists it's, it's incredible you know something that doesn't look like anything from two feet away looks completely realistic from the first row and on so um, the work that they can do is it's really incredible
0: what were some of the conversations that you had with Howell at the beginning of this process
2: Yeah. So, so we, we talked a lot about, um, um, you know, so he knew that I'm going to use the chain link and chain link is such a, it's an interesting material because you can front light it. You can obviously go right through it. You can skim it and kind of the, the um, sort of the layering of the show. And you you can see how to use it so brilliantly to kind of create the set set of uh, uh, the sense of depth um, and also the, the focus um, we talked a lot about uh, color of the floor that's uh, really and the sheen of the floor that's really vital um, for was uh, uh, really vital for for howl because we um, see we have a, um, a follow spot and round bounces so th- you have to kind of work with that so we did endless samples of and we do till today uh, anytime we do a new production we test the floor because it just kind of a, um, uh, make it a great. Um, because it's so, and and of course also the floor ages. So you know, sometimes when we finish the floor, we have to really make sure mm. that uh, the floor is finished to the same uh, level of sheen um, as before, because it really affects the uh, it really affects the staging. So that those were some of our initial conversations I think you know how was really interested in uplighting, so um he asked for you know life drops under every, you know you can see actually even in the image behind you light was built into the deck
1: yes
2: up, you know right. to create that yeah so create the 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 kind of the um you know to to, to use the chain and like and chilling.
0: right right down stage there's there's that um those they're not sewer grates but like fences on the floor that's that have right. those lights that's as well right. that's right, right. Is, yes,
2: that's exactly right because for this it was really important to bring the actors as close mm-hmm. as possible to the edge of the stage and i think that is such a crucial thing so any theater we would go to um you we would look at the line from the balcony making sure that if you're sitting wherever you're sitting you're able to see um an actor all the way downstage without losing the bottom you know visually losing the bottom of his butt or her, or her body so um that that because you know you have that's such a uh, iconic uh look for jersey boys to be all the way downstage and without it the show just doesn't work so we've we always knew we... that
0: we've sat and, in okay, the f- so, oh sorry go ahead, go ahead. Go no, ahead. And,
2: and of course and because you know I knew that so you know if you, of course if you have an actor downstage you have to light them and right. uh, so he really needed that trough with built-in lights to be able to light the actors all the way downstage curiously then when we have um uh, we have the trap very very downstage you know for the um for 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 actually multiple moments we have it for the hospital bench um we have it for microphones we have the opening and so there's only a very um very uh kind of a narrow edge of the stage where the actors you know have to step onto because we and What's really helpful is actually the actual trough because they can feel the little bit of a different texture underneath their feet,
0: uh-huh. so they
2: know if they're standing on the trough, they're safe and clear of the ah. of the trap uh, of the trap door.
0: We we've sat front row at New World Stages, and when Frankie gets on his knees and slides at the beginning of Marianne, it's almost like he's gonna fall onto oh, our laps. Exactly,
1: <laughs> of pure safety. See, so it's functionality to the upteenth level too. And well, I have to ask, the street lamp and and the four season sign, why is it on stage left as opposed to anywhere
2: else? So this, the, the, this is the simple reason for the four season sign, because we have, you know, obviously there's this whole thing built into the four season sign that it's the... Uh, our sons, and, sons and yeah. fourth season which is the sign yeah. and the sign there's a whole word on uh the, the play play on words so we um the way it's written that a repairman comes and he's repairing he's repairing the sign and then it flickers on so you know we needed to do a safe life so we have the ramp that angles at the point mm. to be able to connect the repairman with the sign um, that um uh, uh, yeah, yeah that, that that needs to flick flicker on and reveal the four seasons that, that they kind of realize that's a fantastic uh, name uh, or a great, obviously a fitting name for them, and the street lamp uh, stage right it's kind of where it has to be just because, again, because of the angle of the bridge. So dictates, uh, for, for me, at least, that was never a question that has to be um, where it was. And ultimately, that's what it distills um, visually, the show. Yeah, the it's, image still really there. And it's, it's still lamp there. And, um, yeah.
0: Can you tell us about, um, Richard told us, Richard Hester told us a little bit about how the bridge kept moving upstage and then downstage before before you guys opened on Broadway. Can you tell us a little bit about um, like why those conversations needed to happen and and what the actual conflict was
2: yes i think i think it was always um um you know just because we have uh um we have the the uh, i think the idea for for des was he really wanted to keep the show as downstage as possible he wanted to bring um the the, the actors all the way to the very um front um edge and uh, and then we just kind of calculate you know how much space we need upstage of that to make all Happen because we have a lot of scenes we have a lot of furniture for all the different clubs and so forth and had to happen very we have a piano uh coming in um you know baby grand from from stage left so it was all about kind of real estate and how uh, to keep um, the story st- and a- for the bridge as well, because we knew we have a lot from the beginning Des wanted to stage some of the scenes on the either the angled arm of the bridge or on the bridge. And of course, if the bridge becomes too upstage, then you can't stage a scene there, You it, it would be just not, um, you know, I think the, the feeling that you have, that's exactly what Des was going after, yeah. just having it really imminent feel like you are there being really connected uh to the show so if the bridge would have end up too much upstage you, you lose that connection and you ultimately lose the show you lose the, you, the connection with the show so it was all about kind of real estate and trying to figure out how to push the bridge as downstairs as possible while allowing for the scenes that come downstage from stage first right stage right still have enough room to make them happen
0: gotcha that's
2: got you got four different versions
0: <laughs> <laughs> right,
2: right. I mean and and the other interesting thing you know you can basically distill the show into the microphones mm-hmm. so if you see these microphones are telling this jersey boy story if you exactly. just follow yes.
0: 4 so into 3 into 2 into 1
2: right and then of That's course it. they also follow the storyline so they go from you know they they chronologically oh to right the as the story and the, progresses, the style
0: of the microphone stages to, yeah yeah
2: so that, so that was the that was, that's kind of the story of it was really being told through if you just look at the props as well um, through microphones that only.
1: Wow so, uh, well so two two questions I, a lot of just I guess technical questions. Um, how long did it take for the set to be built and finalized? And do you have the original model? That you made? Like, do you have that with you? Uh,
2: yes. So, so you know, it actually happened. I think quite quickly. Um, I don't remember how much um, a time I spent designing, but I think it was pretty, pretty, pretty fast. I remember sitting on with Des over dinner and having a sketch. With the bridge was actually originally was right angle of the bridge. and oh. oh. he's like, you know what? I'm going to stage those scenes there. I need to be more open. Um, and we introduced the diagonal, and that's where also then we thought the um, comic uh, strip sort of uh, ragtag was need to kind of follow the same um, and was of the same, same kind of line of thought. And then um, I don't remember how long um, it took them to build the set, but I think it was probably just the normal regional theater. Uh, I imagine like you know six, seven, eight weeks to 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 build. Uh, to build the actual set. And then we used a majority of the set to bring it to um, to Broadway, although the theater on Broadway was actually smaller than the La Jolla Playhouse. So we had to make some adjustments. Oh, wow. Um, actually very often the case um, that uh, La Jolla Playhouse was such a beautiful, sort of expensive stage that we had to make some adjustments to, um, uh, to um, make it happen. But actually the set of Broadway is uh, modified uh, set that we used in La Jolla originally, and so actually the very first time we built a set in like really with all this glamour was the West End, um, uh, and and maybe I should say the Rolls Royce of the Jersey Boy set is probably um um in Vegas the
0: first um, that's that's what every <laughs> they
2: build a theater so they actually really built a theater um around the set so we said oh we need a trap here this is the optimal width and so on so that was really the very very first uh set um I mean of course we were in the Press Edward Theater in London so it was a massive massive theater but the the uh, set that we built for Vegas was kind of the Everything that we'd dreamt of was able to happen.
0: Wow! Then. So I, I, I have also so have book
2: quotes. A, this is fantastic. Yeah,
0: this is. We're we're uh, Clara. We we are beyond blown away by this entire episode. Just hearing the conception, hearing the creation, hearing it straight straight from the some of the creator's mouth, straight from the source. This is just so special for us, and uh, it's exactly why we started this podcast to be able to talk with the the people who created our favorite show and uh this is just so special um I just I have another technical question um when when you started taking it on tour on on what so in you can tell us if it was the same if you did the same thing in in Vegas, as you did in New York, same thing in Vegas and in the West end, as you did in New York. Cause I, so th- this is a completely specific moment. So in Oh, what a night. Um, when Bob, you know, goes to do the deed with the ghost of Christmas present on Broadway, he goes, they go down into the, they go downstairs everywhere else. Well, I, 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 I never saw, they go up. So did they, did you guys do the, did you guys when you were designing uh, London and, and Vegas, did, did he go down as well or did he go up?
2: You know what? This is, this is where my memory is so bad. I believe that he went, I, I believe they went up, but I really would have to go check. I am not sure. I, um I know at one point we changed it from going down to going up. I, uh, I was myself kind of happy for the change for me because they kind of disappear you have the benches the red benches right. and it was a little bit, you know that trick when people like go downstairs behind yes. the sofa and um <laughs> uh, I, I, I i once i thought of it i could never put it out of my head um so <laughs> the, it kind of made um and made a nice entrance going up um and then of course then re-entrance uh you know after the deed um of bob gaudio
0: scene to and it's it's well. the same that bridge between boyhood and adulthood. So right. going yeah. up onto she the bridge. Oh, thank you. I know. Thank you.
1: Well, I, what I was thinking was much dirtier. Going downstairs, like you're going downstairs and then upstairs, like this upstairs is very far, very inappropriate, but like, because it's like, it, it's, it's the straight, stairs, uh, spiral, uh,
0: and not
2: the
1: spiral. not what you will. Uh, <laughs> right on,
2: no, right, right on. I, I think you I, also I, asked me about the model. I think the, um, you know, we, we send the model of uh, Jersey Boys of the set uh, to La Jolla. And I believe it's somewhere oh, it's over in La Jolla. in, it's in La Jolla? It's, nice. it's interesting. I am, at the moment, I am uh, one, uh, one of the curators at an um, event called the Prague Quadrennial. Uh, which is an event that takes place every four years and exhibits sort of the best of scenography that the world has seen in the previous four years. And my um, role is a curator for an exhibition called Fragments. I've done the first version of Fragments um, in 2019, and another nation is happening Um, 2023 and the focus of the exhibition is to uh, exhibit um, models, uh, scale models of uh, productions.
0: How do you feel about the cultural impact that you've made on the world that theaters are looking to you for inspiration for a show that has been seen by millions of people and that are now going to be able to see in like different parts of the country in different parts of the world that maybe didn't get Jersey Boys.
2: Wow. Well, I would love to think uh, that there was an, an impact. That, um, But um, yeah, no, obviously it's an um, incredible feeling and I'm just so um, proud to have been part of this show. And, um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a show that became such a phenomena. And for me, always interesting thing is that it's hard to predict what really is going to take. And it just kind of happened. And I think the story that we were trying to say was clear. And I think it shows. And there's so many layers to the story. And um, I tried to create layers in the set. And Hal created many layers with his lighting. And I think that's somehow that... I think it touches people at the core. And I think the story is simple and inspiring and i um, happy that, you know, the show gets to be seen by so many people. And this is Well, so
0: cool. this, I think this is a perfect place to wrap up. Thank you, Clara Ziglarova, for coming on. This has been another episode of Silhouettes JB Podcast. Everyone go see Jersey Boys when it comes back. The tour was announced, Off-Broadway was announced. If you see a production of Sister Act somewhere- I, I don't know if Flashdance is going to be coming back on tour. Go wherever you can find the production of a, uh, of a show that Clara Zagliarova designed, the original production. Go see it because you know no. walking into a theater that has a, a show that has an amazing, amazing legacy. Um, everyone, catch us on YouTube, Silhouettes, JB Podcast. Catch us wherever you can listen to podcasts. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Anchor. Thank you to Anchor for sponsoring us. Yes, and
1: please like and subscribe, because like, we have to say those words for it to get pushed out. <laughs> like and
0: subscribe. Uh, and and
1: please buy our candles. Yes,
0: buy our candles starting starting tomorrow, Thursday, October 14th. Our website will be live. This, will, this episode will air after that. So um, get your candles, get your merch, get your tickets. Get your tickets. Buy a cast recording. Listen to the music. Look up the set on Google. And Clara... DM us
1: for access to our bootlegs, and it'll be a great time.
0: (laughs) And Clara, a salute to you.